welcome to Back in Control Radio with Dr. David Hanscom. Hello, everybody, and welcome to another episode of Back in Control Radio with Dr. David Hanscom. I'm your host, Tom Masters, and our guest today is Jeff Frankert. He served as a physical therapist and the chief of chronic pain physical therapy at Landstuhl Regional Medical Center, a U.S. Army hospital in Germany from 2010 to 2018. While there, he established a triage system to quickly evaluate and treat several hundred troops a week. The three-week program required no equipment and could be done one-on-one or in groups. After 30 years of service, Jeff retired and founded the Fix PT, a physical therapy clinic he operates with his wife, Carla. His focus is helping clients reduce chronic pain and narcotic use and improve their mental outlook. He has personally treated more than 50,000 patients during his 25-year career. Welcome. Thanks, Tom, and welcome back to Back in Control Radio. Our guest today is Jeff Frankart. He's a physical therapist in Florida. Which, which where, where in Florida are you at, Jeff? I'm in Jupiter, Florida, which Jupiter. is in Palm Beach County, County right. on the uh, East Coast. So I'm going to let him finish introducing himself, as he's not just another physical therapist. He spent 29, 29 years in the military. He was part of a congressional task force to take soldiers who were wounded, try to look at their injuries, whether they should go back into battle or go home or whatever they needed to do. We also worked a lot on trying to maximize people's function and minimize their dosage on opioids. So my original intent of this podcast was actually to talk about the opioid situation, and we're not going to get to that. So Jeff brought up a bunch of topics that I thought were really interesting. One of them, um, and Jeff, let's just review really quickly. So Jeff has got a practice started in January. He's at The Fix PT at thefixfixpt.com, and he has extraordinarily insights into injuries, pain, function. Can you just briefly review for us the three parts of pain you described in the first podcast? Oh, yes. There's three, when there are three components of pain. Pain is an emotional and a physical experience. But if you break it down, there's a biopsychosocial component to pain. Now, the bio component of pain is the pain threshold. That's your biological impulse. You touch your arm, you feel an impulse goes to your brain. Your brain has to determine pull away, fight, flight, rush blood to that, you know, to that area in milliseconds. The psycho component is your pain tolerance. Pain tolerance is based off your experiences with pain. Say, for an example, you have a military special forces or a pilot. They have to go through prisoner of war training. They're placed into an environment where they're beaten physically and psychologically to the point of death, but not dying because we need, and then they survive it and their pain tolerance goes up. Likewise, a woman will experience a very similar experience when they give birth. When they're pregnant, their body changes. It goes through large physical changes. And then you go, they go through the birthing process. And at the end of this painful experience, you have a, a joyful blessing at the end. So after birth, the, the woman's pain tolerance goes up based off her experience, no different than the special forces who goes through an experience and survives. So the tolerance, the, the psycho component raises. And then the third part is the social component of pain, 
which is your social training. So we're trained in our society by the media. We're trained by commercials. You know, if you have pain, it's pain's unnatural. You should never have pain. If you have pain, you should have a medication or a, an injection or a surgery. So we also have how we're trained pain in our own families. So you have that social component of training. So my first social experience with pain and trying to rationalize it when, was when I was seven years old, my grandfather was a farmer and we had watched the movie Spartacus the night before. I saw him wake up and he started putting his leather corset on his, on his back. And I walked up to him, my grandpa, with, what are you doing? Are you a gladiator? He's like, no, son, I broke my back in three places and I wear this brace so that I can go out and plow the fields. And I'm like, isn't that going to hurt? Why are you doing that? And he's like, son, no one else is going to pay my bills. So he put on the brace, jumped on the tractor and pressed on. And at the end of the day, he was just in a little bit more pain, but he was still able to move. So for me, I grew up thinking, okay, pain, something you deal with, then you move on. You don't just quit and roll over because no one else is going to pay your bills. So right. that's how I was socially trained. <laughs> So we're talking about between podcasts about um, we talk about the emotional capacity to endure pain, but what's not really talked about in medicine very much is actually truly increasing people's pain tolerance. I mean, why not? I mean, I had forgotten about that a bit until I talked to you in the first podcast that you could train people to dramatically increase their pain tolerance. And so there's, again, in medicine, the sort of thing, well, if you can't tolerate the pain, you're sort of a wimp. Well, there's a lot of factors behind that, and pain is pain. If you're tired and stressed out, you feel the pain more, or maybe you can't cope as well. So there's ways of increasing the coping skills, but there's also ways of physically increasing the pain tolerance. And that's what I like to talk about for this part of the podcast, is focus on the physical part of this thing, is that um, briefly a story, I've had bad knees for a long time. I, um, about seven years ago, was taking 15 minutes to take a five-minute walk to the garage. My knees were killing me. And I had to make a decision, I'm either gonna go ahead and get totally replacements or I'm gonna walk like I need to walk into the garage. And if I can tolerate the pain, I'm not gonna do the surgery. Well, after about three or four days, the pain actually went down by about 80%, which was shocking to me. So I don't like, it's tricky to people because you and I both talked about on the first podcast that you can't conquer pain with mind over matter. That just does not work. But what you were explaining to me, there's something different that happens as you learn to be with the pain, not fight the pain, your body actually feels less pain. Do I have that right? That's correct. As long as you don't push it past that fight or flight level correct. while you're walking, you push it, but not past that alert level. Okay. So I come into your office, I have my knees, I don't know anything about this, and you're, I'm now your patient. And so I'd like to explain to the audience really carefully about what you just said, because that's been my mantra for a long time, but I've not said it nearly as clearly, is that you can't, I mean, this pain response is a million times stronger than your conscious brain. And it just, you cannot fight it. It's just going to wear you out. But inadvertently, as you learn not to be afraid of it, quit fighting it, the pain actually physically drops down. But the concept I'd like to have you explain in a little bit more detail is the idea of working people in the pain tolerance and then keep pushing, 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 but always to tolerance, not past tolerance. Correct. Can you explain that to me a little bit, how you do that with me? Okay. So you have the pain in your knees. 
So what I have to do is show you how to get moving without pushing past that, but we're going to continue to move. So there, first, I have to educate you. I have to let you understand the science. Americans want to be educated because once you're educated, what I've realized after 50,000 patients, that is if a patient understands what's going on, they're part of the solution. If they don't understand what's going on, they're part of the problem because they can't problem solve when they're away from us. So I give you the information, like for you, the movement in itself, you made a choice psychologically that I'm gonna try and grind it out and see what happens. The worst that's gonna happen is you're gonna have the surgery that you were already gonna have. So you made a choice. And then as you kept doing more and more, the pain actually started getting less and less. Right. That's, in, that's what is called exercise-induced hypoalgesia. So if you think can, of can the word hypo. The, can, can you explain the term hypoalgesia? Algesia? Pretty easy. Yep. Hypo, just like hypothermia, is the lowering of temperature. Okay. Hypoalgesia is, algesia is you know, for pain. So you're lowering the pain through exercise. Okay. So as you increase your movement and exercise, your body naturally suppresses pain. Now, if your knees were going to give out and there was too much damage, you would have a protective reflex, your legs would give out and you would fall. So if it was too damaged, your body will always override your mind because there's the brain and the mind. The brain is the hardwire. The mind is a software. Again, for the audience, um, can you talk about the pain reflex? Because the body, people forget that just because your legs give out doesn't mean you're faking it either. But at a certain point of pain, your body says, no, I'm not going to do this. And your body really does give out. Oh, absolutely. Have you ever put your hand on something hot and it pulls away before you think about it? Right. That's a protective reflex. Right. It wasn't a choice. It just did it. It wasn't, you weren't a whip. You didn't, you weren't even aware of it before it happened. So a back spasm, when someone has a back spasm, do you know the purpose of a back spasm is just to protect you. Correct. All right. Basically your brain, it protects your body's way of protecting itself against your mind your choice your conscious choice it overrides it gives you pain so that whatever's damaged underneath of that area can heal right i just want to segue here just for a second because you said something that was really critical about back spasms being protective um i had an accident about four years ago where i fell on i was in ski boots fell in a restaurant and fractured six ribs it was brutal and the worst part of it by far and away were the muscle spasms. Every time mm-hmm. I moved, it was like I broke the ribs all over again every time. And the problem with back pain is that you have a small injury down low, the, you know, the disc or a ligament or something down deep. Then what happens is not your muscles will spasm in a reflex to actually protect your back from further injury. For instance, if you have a broken tibia or femur, you'll have terrible muscle spasms around that broken bone because the body's trying to stabilize the bone. So the backs, the problem I find out as a back surgeon is that these back spasms hurt a lot. The muscles around the spine are really large and people get scared. So I already know what you're going to say, but I mean, a big part of back care is saying, look, these are muscle spasms. They're trying to protect you. You don't have to be scared. Yeah, it's hard to uh, convince people that it's okay, but you have to be able to put them in a position and show them where it feels good, right? then it is good. right? And then once you can reduce that, when you, when you can put someone in a position and they feel good, 
then the muscle spasms will reduce and right. then they believe you. Right. So I, my simple way I explain people is when you're doing any type of movement, I'm going to summarize physical therapy in one sentence. Don't ever tell anybody it's this simple. All right. If a movement or position feels good, it is good. Okay. If a movement or position feels bad, it is bad. Okay. That is it. No, now in physical therapy, we just know pathologically how to mature people through this process. So I put people in a position if they have a back spasm and it's reduced, now I have their trust. Right. Okay. What I just told them and then I recreated, now it's, it's valid in their mind. They have trust. Now what I tell them next, they'll believe. But if I can't show them, because people don't care what you say until they know that you care, first of all. And then if they don't have any results, they're not going to listen. So right. instantly get them results, then they listen. Right. And that's what I do in this program. I show them how to progress without hurting themselves. Then I get their trust. And then I can help them through that minefield of chronic pain. They just have to follow my footsteps. Correct. So the problem I found out as a surgeon was that people had the back spasms. They hurt a lot. And remember, some muscles, fascia, ligaments, tendons, where the pain fibers are. So as you know, it's been extremely well documented that disc degeneration, rupture disc, herniated disc, spinal arthritis are not a source of pain. So you have this horrible pain, and then they're told by their physicians of all specialties that they have degenerative disc disease. Correct. And so you take but it's also been shown that degenerative disc disease has nothing to do with pain. Correct. However, if your physician says you have degenerative disc disease, they're dealing with these severe muscle spasms that are now superimposed upon basically a normally aging spine. I'm guessing you have to spend a fair amount of time unwrapping that conversation. Yeah, I can do it really quickly, actually. Um, see, in the military, as a physical therapist, we get to do what physical therapists don't get to do in the civilian world. I am, as a physical therapist since 2020 in the military, I can order MRIs, I can order CAT scans, I can order Borman scans, I can order medications up to muscle relaxers. Uh, I can refer to any physician that I want. So we're like front end orthopedics. And so I am able to do these things to wipe away those fears. But when I we're doing it. What I found is people were relying too much, especially physical therapists on the MRIs and CAT scans to make the diagnosis. And when you go to the research, I actually found this, I forget the name of the article, but I can send it to you. Uh, it was one of our radiologists put on the bottom and said, this, these, uh, you know, the degeneration that's in this particular MRI is so normal that if it's not correlated directly with any type of symptom, then it's irrelevant. And and then it goes on. If you look at the research, 91% of the people in this research were had disc degeneration, but none of them have better had back pain. So nine out of, I tell people, nine out of 10 people have disc degeneration, but don't have pain. So if you don't have disc degeneration, you're the anomaly. Right, right. It's like having gray I mean, hair. Yeah, I mean, the disease, it should call, it actually should be called normally aging spine, not a disease. Correct. So degenerating discs are simply a normally aging spine. Correct. So let's go back to your, so I just want to make that clear because people do come in and mm -hmm. when they're afraid of degenerative disc disease, we know that fear of pain is actually inflammatory, that fear actually fires up the immune system, which actually fires up the white blood cells, 
which increases the sensitization. So catastrophizing really deep fears about the pain. Again, back spasms hurt a lot. And of course, if your spine, people a lot of times worry about being paralyzed. So I'm guessing maybe the military is different, but I spend a lot of time saying, look, your spine is normal. Now, some people wanted to kill me because they say, well, you're saying the pain is not here. I go, no, I just said, this is not the cause for your pain. So there's lots of causes of pain besides a degenerated disc, which is not a source of pain. So let's go back to the conversation about actually increasing somebody's pain tolerance. So I understand the reassurance and your thing is pushing the limits, pushing the limits, but not over the limit. Am I hearing that correctly? Correct. And I know it's impossible to answer this question really clearly, but let's say my, on a scale of zero to 10, with 10 being incredible pain tolerance and zero being no pain tolerance, Say coming with a pain tolerance about three, I have degenerative disease, I have back pain, muscle spasms, and I'm not very active. And mm-hmm. so how how high can you get me functional? So say I'm at a three, my pain tolerance, okay. my pain tolerance is at a three. I'm not talking about my physical function, but my tolerance for pain is at a three. And you're pushing me to limits, push me to limits. We, we increase the limits over time. Mm-hmm. So two things, how high can you get me to go as far as increasing my pain tolerance and how long does it, how long does it usually take? It depends on the desire of the individual. If they have a psychological benefit uh, uh, to being broken, it's pretty hard to break. It's right. hard to help them. So if there's a financial or a psychological, psychological benefit is like your wife pays more attention to you. Uh, you can control your boss with your pain. It gives you a disability, gives you more. So if there's a benefit to it it's hard to get a person away from that right so i can they they don't want to let go right now if they and, do and, want and by to the way and by the way that's more unconscious than you might think people say well there's malingering but the reality is if you can't pay your bills and you're on the street if you don't have pain guess what your body's going to generate pain this is not imaginary pain at all correct now, we would estimate maybe 10% of our patients are true malingerers. That's not the majority. Mm-hmm. But right. many more people get labeled that way than actually are. So when you talk about secondary gain, it's actually the real deal. Your brain is supposed to survive. If the resources it takes to survive are taken away, um, Correct. they're not, they're not going to get better. They But they can't get better. Yes. Well, I use an example of, when I was in 2000 to 2000, 2010 to 2012, my job was doing outpatients, requalifying guys, but also taking care of all the uh, amputees and gunshot wounds inpatient. So what I learned how to do there was the same thing. That the same approach I use with my chronic pain patients, I work with the acute patients. We have two goals, to desensitize the central nervous system and get them over the kinesiophobia, the fear of movement. Right. So give you a profile. This is the profile I'll give to my patients. And I'll show the picture of this particular individual because I did take a picture of him for a different reason. So I had a soldier. He just lost. He'd been in an explosion. He lost his right leg above the knee. He lost his left eye. He had full control of his right arm. His left arm was in a brace below the elbow, but he could weight bear through the elbow. His left leg was hamburger from all the strap metal, but he could weight bear. So I have to do two things when I walk in there. I got to get him over the fear movement and I have to start desensitizing him. So I walk in, all right, soldier, we're going to get up and we're going to, we're going to walk. He's like, 
sir, uh, I don't have a leg. I can't walk. I'm like, oh, really? Why do you think I'm here? All right, get up. We're going to move because he's still in that soldier mode. He's going to listen to me because he got blown up two days before he wow. had a leg wow. and he's going to follow. So he sits at the side of the bed, get him up. We walk 30 feet, turn around, come back, sit down. It takes about a half an hour. When I sent, once I set him down, you know what his first question was? When can I run? Wow. So first, we're, get him over the fear of movement. So we went right. from 30 minutes before I can't walk to when can I run? Wow. So that was recalibrated. Now I have to start desensitizing him. So first thing I do is I step on his right foot as hard as I can. He is pain is just oozing from him. He, he pulls back in fear and I, I calm him down. And as soon as he's calm, he's a soldier, he's tough. I kick him in his right shin as hard as I can. Hits, him, <laughs> hits the chair and moves him away. And he almost swings at me and I catch his arm. And I'm like, did you feel that pain? He's like, yes, I wanted to punch you. I said, I stepped on a foot that wasn't there. Was that real pain? He's like, yes, it was real pain. I'm like, yes, it was real pain, but it wasn't accurate. Your foot is not there. Your leg is not there, but you felt the pain. Uh, I'm sorry, I lost you here for a second. You say you, when, you step, when you say you stepped on his foot, what do you mean? I mean, this is the I, leg that was gone? So, exactly. His leg wasn't there. His right foot wasn't there. He had an above the knee amputation. So you stepped on where his foot should have been. That's correct. And he oh felt God. the pain. He did. And of course. And then the second time I kicked him in the well, shit. Wait, wait, wait. You said, of course. Okay. I mean, I've been around phantom limb pain and stuff like that, but I don't think I've ever really thought about this. So you stepped on a foot that wasn't there and he correct. felt the pain. Of course. Okay. Yeah. Because it's not there. Doesn't, but, but in his brain, that foot was there two days ago. So he right. felt the pain because wow. even Dr. Mosley was able to recreate that uh take a piece of uh, a fake arm and you can recreate the pain in that arm right right and then you can just recalibrate it and that's what we that's what happens so right. he right there i trained him i'm like so in the future when you feel pain in that foot what you have to realize is it's not it's real but it's not accurate so don't be afraid of it so right. that was locked into his head so we send him back to the u.s he starts doing therapy and now they have to start desensitizing his limb. So right. they'll put his limb into like marbles and stuff. And then he'll push to that threshold and back off, push right. and back off. We're, but we're not trying to get rid of pain. We're trying to make it accurate for the end of the residual limb. Right. Not wow. get rid of it. Gotcha. So I'm super excited about what you're doing. Um, again, the, as I talk to you, there's actually more layers to unpack than we're going to. So we'll, we'll be doing, doing this a few times. But I mean, basically what Jeff is doing is so dead on with pain science, even though he learned it through experience. Same thing with I'm doing. I learned my process through experience. And it only wasn't until years later did the neuroscience start explaining to me why things were working the way they were working. So, I mean, I never knew as a physician that fear of pain makes the pain worse. Well, yes, fear is inflammatory, which increases the sensitivity to the brain. And Correct. so again, so what Jeff has done is reminded us that there's a um, social aspect of pain, how you program, how you interact with the world, what your benefits of being in pain or not being in pain. There's a biological part of it with the actual tissue damage and actual impulses. 
the psychological part of it, which I prefer to call the mental part of it, um, it's the psyche involved, but psyche implies it's not really there, but your your consciousness is it makes a big difference on your pain perception. So Jeff has a process where he learns people to actually cope with the pain better, help give them more emotional capacity to deal with the pain, decrease the fear of the pain, which is, by the way, anti-inflammatory and actually improves nerve conduction, but also physically um, allowing them to increase their pain tolerance. And again, I'm fascinated by everything that you do, but I'm particularly fascinated that just isn't talked about in medicine. Okay, you have chronic pain. We've sort of known for centuries you can actually increase your pain tolerance but there's not many physical therapists that I know that actually work on increasing people's pain tolerance, especially stepping on a foot that's not there, which <laughs> is really interesting. Yeah. In the military, I didn't have to worry about lawsuits. I had to worry right. about, can someone get away from a bullet? So I didn't worry about emotions or hurting their feelings. Right. I didn't want them to die. Right. So um, Jeff is a remarkable resource. I wish you the best of trying to train other PTs in your concepts. It is dead on clinically. And we're actually, we're actually putting a lot of neuroscience behind the stuff that he's doing. Um, I belong to an informal work group that just digs in, digs in um, every two weeks about some of the neuroscience behind pain. So everything he's, been, everything he's been learning in the trenches for almost 30 years is more than validated by the neuroscience now. Is finally coming into the public's domain. As you know, it's not coming into mainstream medicine very quickly, which is a big problem. So, Jeff, how do we access your services or access your concepts? Uh, you can jump on the website at www.thefixpt.com okay. and you can give us a call or send us an email and we'll reach out to see if we can help you. So, you're trying to get your practice started. Um, in Florida. What was the town again that you in Jupiter, Florida, which right mm -hmm. above Palm Beach. If you have Palm Beach, Florida, we're about 10 miles north of Palm Beach. So he's an excellent resource. Um, I'm excited to know of him and we'll be working together in the future. So Jeff, again, thank you very, very much for your insights. Really remarkable. All right. Thank you, Dr. Anscombe. It's been a pleasure. I'd like to thank our guest, Jeff Frankhart, for being on the show today and for sharing his insights about the nature of chronic pain and the details of his approach to treating it. I'm your host, Tom Masters, reminding you to be back next week for another episode of Back in Control Radio with Dr. David Hanscom. And in the meantime, be sure to visit the website at www.backincontrol.com. Thanks for listening today, and join us next week for Back in Control Radio.